Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together, shall we, and recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are, what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Good morning. Good to have you here at Celebration Church. And uh, I'd like to welcome those of watching over in uh, Stevens Point this morning, as well as Appleton, and also our 1030 service this morning is watching us uh, via the video from this service. I'll explain why in just a minute. Um, I just want to give a quick update uh, on the Advent Conspiracy Fund raising uh, efforts that we had back in December, trying to raise uh, money above and beyond our normal giving to help various uh, efforts. And uh, we were very successful this year. $23,040 came in. Uh, especially above and beyond just for these efforts. And that's pretty impressive. Uh, we were able to support uh, Jimmy Bratcher's outreach uh, into the prisons at Ellsworth Correctional Center. And uh, the, uh, we're able to have their uh, special outreaches and stuff like that. So they uh, go in and they jam out to all these guys and share the love of Jesus with them. Then they go from cell to cell and minister to them. So we we're able to be a part of that. Uh, we also support a work in Myanmar, which is a, there's a big orphanage there. And uh, every year they do this Christmas thing. Actually, this happens quite a bit throughout the world. Even in communist China, people celebrate Christmas. Now, to them, it's strictly a secular event, kind of like America now. But, uh, but it's still because of the connection to Christ gives people an opportunity to share the gospel with people. And that's what they do. Uh, Peter, who runs the orphanage over there, they have this big Christmas blowout and invite all these people in, and, and they share the love of Jesus with them. They said that they were able to have more than 3,500 people come to their parties, uh, and over 300 people decided to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior, which is pretty, pretty powerful. And this money, this, you guys help support that kind of stuff. It becomes part of our efforts around the world, and we share in, in the, the reward someday in, in eternity for these kind of works. Uh, we also were able to raise money for the Wells Outreach, uh, and that's where we go into uh, South America and, and Central America and dig wells and put in wells for uh, people who don't have fresh water and stuff. And it's a great way of sharing the love of Jesus again with people by meeting their practical needs. And uh, so this... Uh, year, we're going, uh, sending a group to El Salvador to put in some wells, so we're excited about that. And then uh, finally, there was a project, a, a group that we support in the Adamant Islands. They also did the same kind of thing, a big Christmas uh, celebration, uh, and were able to share the good news to local villagers. They said that they were able to share the good news of Jesus with tens of thousands of people, 
they had this truck that went around and uh, all this stuff and shared God's message and, and what Christmas is really all about. So again, thank to all of you at all our campuses for being a part of this and helping to do an eternal work in, in people's lives. You know, some of the most uh, purest forms of giving are like this because there's no way that you can benefit at all. You know, to a degree, when we help support our church and stuff like that, which is important, but you got to admit, we still benefit from it. You know, you're able to sit and enjoy the services and have the ministries and the air conditioning on or the heat, as the case may be now, uh, the lights, all that sort of thing. But when we give to other causes like that, I mean, there's no way we can benefit in any way, shape, or form. It's strictly an eternal uh, sowing of seed, and, uh, and we're just glad that you joined with us in that. Uh, this morning, uh, reading from Exodus, the sixth chapter, verse 10, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the Israelites go out of his country. Let my people go. We've been doing a very simple series uh, this month of January, and uh, we'll see how much further we take it, but uh, inspired by the incredibly inaccurate <laughs> movie about Moses in the theaters, uh, the Exodus film, uh, to share what the Bible actually says happened, uh, to kind of give us more of a biblical literacy so we can kind of understand what that's all about. Uh, this morning, just kind of keying off of it, we're not going to do a whole lot about Moses, but one of the things that people often talk, I, I want to talk about how to really know what God wants you to do. And our text is really here, God is speaking to Moses, and he's making it abundantly clear to him what he was supposed to do. And even then, he didn't want to do it. And God had to keep reassuring him that this was what he was supposed to do and encouraging him. And, you know, and God at one point got extremely frustrated with Moses over the whole deal. But as we all know, Moses did finally go and confront Pharaoh to let the people go. And oftentimes we look at uh, the Old Testament, how God did dramatic things to, uh, to people in order for them to know what they should or should not do. And I think it gets a little confusing for Christians today because I think some people are kind of expecting the same kind of thing. You know, God's gonna, the heavens are gonna flash or something so they can know what to do. And that's not exactly uh, correct. Now, God can do anything he wants, clearly. But there's a real difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Primarily this, that in the Old Testament, to a great degree they struggled having a very limited concept of who God was. Uh, you know, until even Moses came along and gave them the law of Moses and, and what God said, wanted them to do the Ten Commandments and stuff. They didn't have a clue. There was nothing, no, nothing recorded. Everybody just basically lived by their own conscience. Uh, oftentimes people say, well, what? Can't people just live by their own conscience? Why do we have to have these rules? Why can't we just all live by our own conscience? Well, we tried that. It ended in a flood. Because... <laughs> Things got so bad. I mean, people, the Bible says the world became so corrupt and so violent, and apparently people freely disregard their consciences. And the, the Bible talks about searing your conscience. So if you do something, you feel bad about it the first time. Don't feel quite so bad about it the second time. Ah, oh, third time, you're getting pretty comfortable. Fourth time, who? What conscience, you know? And we kind of just do things. Actually, we still have that problem even today. Uh, so they had a very limited concept of God, but then Moses comes along and gives them much more clear uh, direction. But even then, it uh, seemed to be a bit limited. And uh, 
by and large, if you read much of the Old Testament, they got so far away from what God said, they didn't even remember half the time what God had said, and it was a real struggle for them to know what was going on. When we get to the uh, New Testament, things really change. And the, uh, the other thing you have to understand, too, is one of the great advantages we have today is the, the revealed Word of God, the Bible, which helps give us great instruction. And uh, these people didn't have a great deal of access to that. It's not like they could pop up verse 27 of Exodus on their iPads. <laughs> you know, they were written in scrolls that they protected. I mean, it was very few people had access to this stuff at all. They had to come, even in early Christianity for quite a while, you know, only the priests and people and stuff like that actually held the Bible and you had to come to church to even hear about it. So it's quite different today. But when the New Testament comes, now we get a much clearer picture of who God is and what he wants us to do. Uh, certainly revealed in Jesus. And then we do have the scriptures, even though it wasn't in the beginning all that available, but still there were at churches and people could come and hear what God said and they could teach the scriptures. Uh, we also have something dramatically different in the New Testament that they didn't have in the Old Testament, which is the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, God would fall on just very select people with the Holy Spirit. Most people live their whole lives and never really experience the presence of God like that at all. When the New Testament came, one of the most radical changes was on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is falling on all people who believe in Jesus, which is a totally dramatic difference. He says, now my spirit will be poured out on your sons and daughters, and it didn't matter who you were, how much money you had, what your status was in life, everyone now when they put their faith in Christ and truly experience God in their life, can receive the Holy Spirit and really experience the presence of God in them, which is just totally radically different. So that changed everything. You didn't need handwriting on the wall and you know, flashes of lightning to start knowing what God wanted you to do. We had the scriptures and we had the Spirit of God to guide and lead us. So, but even to this day, people oftentimes struggle with how to know what the will of God is for their lives. So I want to just do a very simple message today talking about the three elements that are very important if you're going to really understand God's will in your life. I call it the word of God, the voice of God, and the hand of God. When these things all line up in your life, then you can really start to know and sense what God wants you to do. Now, the first and most important one is the revealed word of God that we have in the scriptures. That is the final say, okay? Everything we do has to be measured against that. That has to be the number one thing. Uh, it doesn't matter what spiritual revelations you think you had. It doesn't matter what divine circumstances that pop up into your life. If it's contrary to the word of God, it is not God, okay? For example... If you have a dream and a revelation and all of a sudden angels flood into your bedroom and you float above the beds and everything's singing and it's glorious and the angel says, thus saith the Lord, I want you to commit adultery with your next door neighbor's wife. And the next morning, there was all, someone comes up to you and said, oh, I had a dream that you should commit adultery. I don't care what angel voice revelation you have. Is that God? No. Are you hearing me? Why? Because thou shalt not commit adultery. Okay, I don't care if you have a divine encounter where you feel like you have this vision. And crazy people do this, you know. The voice has told me to kill somebody, you know. I don't care what you heard. It, that's not God. 
because God does not contradict himself. And oftentimes people will come even uh, and ask advice about direction in their life, which is a good thing to do. The Bible says there's in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. If you're not sure about maybe what God is trying to direct you to do, come and talk with us and stuff. But one of the first things we'll do is we will run it through the filter of our knowledge of the scriptures. And people will oftentimes say, you know, well, I feel God wants me to do such and such, um, you know, and we'll run it through the scriptures and we'll challenge them and say, no, that, that can't possibly be. Well, but I had a vision. I don't care what you had, you know, and it might have been a vision. You know, they might have seen an angel, unfortunately, probably a fallen angel telling them to do something they shouldn't be doing. And that's the main standard. That's why it is so important. You truly want to live a place in safety and direction in your life. You have to get familiar with the scriptures. It is what it is. And uh, just having a Bible will do you no good if you don't read it. A lot of people like to have family Bible. We have a family. Sleeping on a Bible will do you no good. Okay? Driving with a Bible in your car, going 87 miles an hour, will do you no good. Because you've got to just, it's not a good luck charm. There's nothing, woo. And, you know, of course, now we have them on our iPads or so our phones and stuff like that, which is pretty amazing. But so just having it, it's not going to, you have to actually read it. And you have to get informed about it. And that's why we encourage people to study the scriptures on your own. Uh, say, well, it's hard for me to read the Bible. Well, just read little bits and pieces. I mean, there's devotionals you can buy to make it really easy, very easy translations to make it easier. But you have to do it on purpose. You grow spiritually on purpose. It doesn't happen automatically. People think that just by osmosis, even people coming to church think, well, I'll really get spiritual just because I come to church. This is just one part of it. You still need to study the scriptures. You still need to get... That's the great thing about some of the small groups studies that we have, life groups. On Wednesday nights, come on out. This is where we really get into the weeds. And I go through books of the Bible, one verse at a time. You want to really start to understand the Bible, get familiar with the truths of the scripture? Come out on Wednesday nights. Well, you know, I'm, I'm busy. I got to watch reruns of I Love Lucy. Well, stop all that stuff and make a priority. You're going to get this stuff in you on purpose. It will not happen by accident. It does not happen by osmosis. I don't care how much your granny reads the Bible. Not going to do you jack unless you do it. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. You got to get it in you because that's the standard. That's the thing that will guide and lead you. And the truth is most of God's will is found right there. You don't need a lot of voices. People say, I'm trying to find what God wants me to do. I'm trying to find the Lord. I don't do anything because I'm waiting for the Lord. to See, people who do that are really being unscriptural because the Bible tells us whatever your hand finds to do, do it. You know, it shows us how to serve and to love and care in the New Testament. Very simple, you know, about the kinds of things you should be doing with your life. It's right there. So well, I, I, I want to know if God wants me to work at Burger King or McDonald's. I don't think God cares. If God cares, he'll show up and tell you one way or the other. The reason why a lot of times God's silent is because he doesn't care about some of these details. People, I know people who get, and they're a little nuts, God bless them, but who really pray about what clothes they wear every day. Okay? I don't think God cares what, <laughs> what you wear, especially my shoes, you know. Only a real man can wear flowers on his shoes, I'll tell you that right now. But, uh, 
Uh, God doesn't care about these things, you know, this, that, and stuff. Like, you know, why do you want to do is walk in love, be kind to people, forgive people, be patient. How can you serve? All these kind of things. Be generous with your time and with your resources. This is the will of God. This is what should be guiding our day every day. You shouldn't need to hear much of anything is the truth. That's the norm. That's where we see the will of God in the scriptures. Then we do have what we refer to as the voice of God, and that can come in various ways. Uh, and you'll see it in the New Testament, but you have to remember in the New Testament, we'll, you know, might read, you know, Jesus appeared to this or the Spirit of God said this, but you're, you're talking, oftentimes there's decades that are passing through here. It's not like this stuff happened every single day. People read this and think that's the norm. Again, that wasn't the norm. The norm was just living out your faith, doing what we're supposed to be doing. That's the norm. On occasion, God would show up and direct them in a specific direction. It might be a dream that you have. Uh, where and, and if you've ever had a spiritual dream, I don't know how many people have. I, I know several who have. I know I have. It's really dramatic. I mean, it's not your typical, I ate pizza and there was an alien, you know, chasing me and I was dreaming I was eating a giant marshmallow and the next morning my pillow was gone. Okay, none of those things. I'm talking about this. I'm talking about real, the spirit of God was there and you wake up and you know God was in that dream. It was it's an amazing, powerful thing where God will oftentimes speak to people. It's pretty dramatic. I've had it happen really powerfully in my life, maybe once. Again, these are the exceptions. They're not the rule. Uh, it might be a still, small voice. Somehow you just feel that you know some, that God wants you to do something, that sort of thing. But the truth of the matter, most of even what the Spirit of God does is the Spirit of God, the Bible says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, which means to play the umpire in your heart. And if an umpire is really doing his job properly, he doesn't say jack unless you do something wrong, okay? And that's really kind of why the voice of God will work in you and the Spirit of God in you, is you will feel the referee whistle blowing in you. The good news is he blows it before you do something wrong <laughs> instead of just after. And sometimes after, he'll blow it again, you know, just the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes, you're about to do something, and I got to tell you, when I talk about God really feel like he spoke to me one way or another, usually the only thing I hear is, no! And you just feel that inside of me. It's like all of a sudden you're about to do something, you just, whoa, you just feel like something. And you can tell. You're like, wow, what is that? And it's like you stop and you just reevaluate what you're doing. Because I believe the Holy Spirit at that point is showing up, calling you on stuff. There are people who have incredible testimonies, how they were about to... You know, if they had gone and done something, you know, something horrible would have happened. You know, an airplane that they didn't get on that later crashed and all kinds of stuff. And they knew to stop. Why? Because they were sensitive to the Spirit of God in them. They had learned there's something not right. And they pull back and stuff. So that's, that's kind of the voice of God speaking into your heart and life. Uh, but again, that has to be consistent with the Word of God. Okay? Uh, and then... The, the last one, the hand of God. And this is one I think often people don't get, and they don't pay enough attention to it. Uh, I have often referred to the fact that the way God directs my life is through opening and closing doors in my life. We call it the hand of God. It's just circumstances that happen. I use the little analogy, you know, 
the way God directs me is he closes every door and window in the house, opens one door, and lights the house on fire. And then I feel motivated to go. And, I, and I'm not exaggerating. This is truly most of the times in my life when God has directed me, it's like the only way to go is that way. And I don't oftentimes even want to go that way. And I'm spinning, and I'm turning, and there's got to be another way, and you reason it. And at the end of the day, it's the only way to go, and it's, it's kind of like, you know, a cow that, or a sheep. You know, we don't have dogs around here but that run cows around so much, but sheep, dogs, you know, they'll bark at them and nip at them and stuff to make sure they go a certain direction. And sometimes that's the kind of way it's like, there's no other way to go, and I go, ah, 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 and then, you know, you go in a certain direction. That's the hand of God, circumstances. So let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Um, let's say we know that it's consistent with the scripture to preach the gospel. We don't have, that's why we don't have to pray and ask God if it's okay for us to give money for missions. There's some stuff you don't have to pray about. The idea of praying about it is even absurd. So why don't you guys pray about it? Because the Bible says preach the gospel to all the world. Jesus made that extraordinarily clear. We don't got to ask him about that. All right? So, uh, if you know that it's consistent to preach the gospel in all the world, we know it's good and, and talking about laying down your life and sacrificing, and you have a dream where you just feel God showed up and said, Bob, I want you to go to Africa. And it's wow, you wake up just, whoa. Well, first of all, you know it's consistent with the word of God, but you feel like all of a sudden the spirit of God is speaking to you about going to Africa. And then two days later, somebody walks up to you and says, listen, I don't know you or anything, but I just suppose I feel I'm supposed to give you $3,000 for tickets to go to Africa. I think you're supposed to go to Africa. All right? Why? Because now those three things are lining up. The Word of God, the voice of God, and the hand of God. That's how you really know these things. You say, well, Pastor, I don't see a lot of those other ones. Well, that's because those, even the other ones, it's still it's the exception. The rule is you just live out the Word of God. That's what a lot of people are uncomfortable with. You don't need a lot of this stuff. But if God wants you to do something specifically, that's when he shows up with the voice of God and the hand of God, and he directs you. Now, the contrary is true. I know people who are convinced. For example, I'm called to the ministry. I believe God has called me to the ministry. And, you know, okay, it's consistent with the Bible. That's fine. That's what he thinks is his calling. But nobody anywhere wants to hire the guy to do ministry. Nobody wants the guy to read a Bible story to him. You know? But, and they go for decades convinced God's called them. And at some point, it's like, hello? Where is the evidence? Where is the hand of God? There's nothing confirming that's what you're supposed to be doing. Get on with it. But they just don't because they're so tired. They think this, that whatever little voice they heard was so true that they can't think outside the box. I know one guy personally. I think the guy must have gone through six pastoral jobs. He'd been fired six times in a matter of you know, seven years or something. And I called him, you know, I felt bad for him. I said, man, how you doing? He says, okay. And so what are you going to do now? Thinking maybe he's getting a clue. He said, I don't know. I just know God's called me to the ministry. And I'm thinking, I don't think he is. <laughs> Come here. When everybody who touches you can't stand you for more than six months and fires you, I think there's a pattern here. Maybe a message. Stop. Go do something. Because he, he was great at selling himself to people. But when he got in the trenches, it was like there was no confirmation and he was always rejected for ministry. I think that we need to be aware. Where is the evidence that God is opening and closing doors for you? Uh, I have sh been sharing this lately with some of our groups. 
Um, I know that when I started the whole laugh your way to a better marriage thing, when I initially did it, it was horrible. It, nobody would come. It was such a struggle. And, and we were just starting the church over in Stevens Point, And I, I told our guys, I said, let's stop. You know, at some point, if God doesn't show up, you got to move on. You know what I'm saying? So we decided we're going to stop doing it. We had three more events. And I said, let's do these three more events. And then I'm just going to focus on the church in Stevens Point. So, okay, so that was the agreement. We're all done. Decided issue. The very next event that I do, it is packed to the walls. People standing in line outside can't get into the building. I'm thinking, who are they here to see? <laughs> Me? The very next event I do, there's, it wasn't was a church. It was some you know, convention center or whatever like that. They ran out of chairs. There were, people stood along the walls for three hours to listen to me babble on and paid money to do it. <laughs> the next event was even bigger than those other two. And I'm thinking, seriously, now? So then you start to think, well, maybe I should be doing it. But then I said, like, I don't know. I get a phone call from a businessman who has never heard me speak. To this day, he's never been to one of my conferences. He called me up, said, I want to meet with you. I meet with him and his entourage, I fly in, and a very successful businessman, multimillionaire. And uh, he says, Listen, I'm concerned about families. I hear you do a good job with families. I went, I guess. He said, well, if I backed you to the tune of $4 million, would you keep working for couples? <laughs> what would you say? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, well, Mark, didn't you pray and fast about it? Not really. It seemed pretty clear to me at that point. And not anything. Well, that was just, not, not just him. Then I get a call from another guy in Scottsdale, Arizona. You remember this one? <laughs> I want to meet with you. So I fly into Scottsdale. We have dinner, lunch and stuff. We're talking. I'm just talking about everything. Blah, blah, blah. And we get to the end of lunch. I got to go catch my plane. He's at the airport. And he stands up and says, look, well, I just want you to know, I want to give you a million dollars to help you out with what you're doing. Okay. So I quick hop out. I didn't even have time to call my wife. I had to quick grab out of the plane and get home. I land in Minneapolis. I called my wife and said, she says, what did he want? I said, he wants to give us a million dollars. She said, oh, why would he say that? I don't know. <laughs> so I'm not the most spiritual guy in the world, but I think just maybe I'm supposed to talk to couples about marriage. All right? So people, well, you know, don't have to clap, but I was, these kinds of things, and you start to know where God, even how he brought me to Green Bay and all the different things, it's just like the hand of God. That's one of the ways that you know. All of that, to say this, we launched five, about on, six years ago, a campus in, on the west side of Green Bay. Our goal has always been to find a building and stuff like that, because the school... We've been on borrowed time. We keep begging for more time, but you know, the, the door's coming to close and kick us out of the school. And uh, a couple of times we thought we finally found a place. We finally found a place. And find, after everything we've done over there, every single door has slammed shut in our face. And uh, so our leadership team has gotten together and prayerfully considered it and said, you know, hey, we're going to, if God isn't going to be there to open the door for us, then uh, we should shut it down because it's costing us a significant amount of money to try and do that and struggle the way that we're doing right now. So we thought we're going to close down the West Side campus, bring them back here for a while. Uh, so it's, I, I don't want to do it, but 
you know, it doesn't matter what I want to do. I just want to honor God's word and God's will in our life. And I think right now he's shutting that door for whatever reason. I don't know. Who knows what happens? You know, maybe in a few months somebody comes to me and says, my granny died and left me $5 million and I want to give it to the church for the West Side. Okay. You know, I'm good with that. I don't, not that I want your granny to die. But, uh, but, you know, we don't know what God's going to do. But at some point, even we still have to be sensitive to where is God blessing and opening doors and directing us. And at this point, we are looking at the situations that, you know, just at this point, I still would love to have a campus on the west side. To be honest with you, I'd love to have one up where it's now and one to appear as well. I'd like to box in the city <laughs> or everywhere. <laughs> but, uh, but not right now, and that's okay, you know. The most important thing is that we just let God guide and direct us. So that's what we're going to do. I live it out in my personal life. I need to live it out as a leader of this church. And I want to encourage you as well. Let God guide and direct you. Now remember, you don't need a lot of all this other stuff. And even those events that I've shared with you were one-time events over a lifetime experience so far, 40 years of serving Jesus. Those are all the exceptions. The rule is you just follow the word of God. That's your day-to-day -day life. That's how you live your life. That's what you need. And when God wants you to do something, boom, he'll show up. He'll guide and direct. And you got to trust him. Just make sure it's consistent with his word. And when the word and the spirit and the hand of God all line up, boy, that's how you really know. And usually it takes that to really know that God, especially if he's been putting you in a really dramatic new direction, which is what Moses experienced. And God shows up. The hand of God shows up. All these circumstances show up. I mean, it was a major event that those people were going through, and God was there in a big way. Short of that, they didn't need all that. You don't need those dramatic things all the time. The most important thing is that we live out our faith, we honor God in what we're doing, and just serve him. And just trust him that if there is a dramatic change in direction in your life, trust that the Spirit of God, the hand of God, and the Word of God will all line up to guide and direct you. He said, well, Pastor, I don't have much of that. Well, then just keep doing what you know to do. Because that is the will of God. The real will of God is that Christ is in you and that you live out your faith. It's much less about the circumstances of what you do. When God wants to change circumstances, he has a way of showing up and shutting doors or opening doors. And that's what we're responding to as a church concerning our West Side campus. And that's why you guys are watching me at the 1030 service because <laughs> I'm spending the full morning over there with the West Side as we close it down and hanging out with them. And then next Sunday, they'll all be here. Uh, with us, and we'll just go on. And I'm still excited what God is going to do in the future. I would love to see some real dramatic things show up and, and change uh, some things. I would love to see some miraculous things that allow us to do just some massive, impressive things. Uh, but those tend to be the exception. The rule is love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Live out your faith and do what we know is the right thing to do. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your truth, and we pray that you will continue to guide and lead us. Our hope and our trust is always in you, and Lord, we're just being sensitive to what we feel as are the doors that you're opening and closing in our lives, not just individually, but corporately as an organization, and that's why we're making the step to close down the west side, bring them back over here, and, and we'll just see what else uh, that you have for us. Our goal, number one, Lord, is we just want to live out our faith. We want to honor you. We want to walk in love and do the right thing. And we will trust you 
that you will guide and direct us for any significant directional changes that you have for us because we can trust you because we know that you love us and you're always there for us. We pray for all the guys over there. People generally don't like change as we know. Uh, for anyone who uh, will be kind of upset that we're changing things, we just pray your grace over them uh, and your spirit to calm them down and help us to just join hands together and continue to go forward and advance your kingdom in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you.